welcome to Something to Think About. Whoa, jumped right in there. <laughs> How are you? We're, we're calling this Phoning It In Friday. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we're not phoning it in, we're taking this seriously. <laughs> <laughs> we're literally phoning it in. Not right. metaphorically phoning it we would, in. We would never make a joke. <laughs> not us. Because we are the home of professional podcasting. You said it, not me. <laughs> How are you, Rich? Just dandy. Just dandy. Just it, uh... is, it is Friday here on uh, day 4,726 of quarantine. It's a beautiful day in Michigan. It's a uh, beautiful day to be able to talk about uh, Jesus and, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we look at the book of Acts. It would be a great day to be able to gather together as God's people, but alas, we cannot still hear Michigan. So some places they are, and some churches are opening up, and hopefully that will be us soon. I I can only assume that the way things are rolling and that that our expectation should be that it'll be phased in, Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll have to see what we see what we do here as far as. Um, adapting going forward and you know there are a lot of a lot of folks talking about relaunching uh how, how do you go about this do you, you know do you um that's a good question either, and there's going to be a lot of stuff especially because the expectation so far looks like it will be that even when we are back to gathering we uh, are still working at social distancing and so on and so forth well how do you do that with children's ministries you know, little kids. Yeah, how do you do that with a church in general? <laughs> right. Absolutely. It, it, there, you know, there are some things that you can do, but it's not going to be a hundred percent right. Even, you know, when you go shopping and, and they talk about social distancing and you, you know, you, you put in, put in one aisles and all that, but it's, right. still, it's, or you it, go to a restaurant and they're like allowing 50% capacity. Well, how can you do that at a church? Right. You know, <laughs> well, there's just a lot of things like that, that are right. still unknown that will be unknown and, and it'll be pretty tough to be able to make all that stuff come together. And, and really what it comes down to is just adapting and overcoming in whatever situation you're in. However you go through it, it is, to, to use a, an already overused word, it is an unprecedented situation in a number of ways. And so hopefully that will allow us then to demonstrate unprecedented grace to others and, and in, in unprecedented ways look for connections. And I say that with my tongue somewhat in cheek because uh, all of these allegations of unprecedented things, there's nothing new under the sun. And so throughout history, we've had to deal with stuff. The church has had to adapt under persecution, under famine and plague, mm-hmm. uh, being scattered. And we've seen that in the book of Acts. And really, even even this week, uh, unintentional segue here, The uh, even this week looking at uh, the transition from Saul's conversion in the first half of Acts 9 to jumping back into Peter. Uh, Peter is, is really kind of the focal point of the first half of the book of Acts. It's the church, but he's kind of the, the you know, the, what do you want to say? A spokesperson isn't really the right word, but he's kind of the prominent figure. And right. uh, so now as we're getting toward the end of the, the first half here, um, Peter is taking, I guess I'll say center stage again, having looked at Stephen and Philip and then the conversion of Saul, which kind of 
lets us know what's going on. It sets the stage for what's going to happen next. But then Luke returns here in the second half. Half or it's you know really the last third here of Acts nine verses thirty two to forty three, and refocuses back on Peter. So when we when we see Acts nine as a whole, um, and, and really even reaching back to to Acts you know six seven and eight. Uh, we're seeing that the church has been scattered through persecution, it's, and it adapts, and it does the work, and, and people are, are changed. When the church uh, in Acts 6, uh, the, the actual physical ministry of taking care of the needs of uh, widows in the church, when that becomes too big as the church grows for them to be able to handle with the structure they had, they had to adapt, and they had to do some some different things um, to, to try to make things happen in a situation they had not planned for. Stephen gets stoned. They, they don't know how to handle this. This is the first martyr they've ever had. And so they're, now what do we do? And they uh, are scattered throughout the region and they preach the gospel. And then Philip is doing his thing. And, and we see, you know, Simon, the sorcerer, Simon, the great, as he would call himself being, um, being uh, uh, converted, so-called, and so we have this prominent false conversion, and then the Ethiopian official comes in, and uh, or, or the Spirit sends Philip to him, and, and we have a prominent uh, political figure in another country, a foreign dignitary of sorts, and he receives the gospel without signs and wonders, without big show, but he receives the gospel through the word of God and is, and is baptized. And then Saul has the most dramatic conversion you can think of as Jesus personally appears to him, knocks him down, strikes him blind, sends him out as a special messenger, as an apostle, uh, and, and, you know, that kind of sets things in motion. So now we come back in the latter part of Acts 9, and really it's as strange as it sounds, it's almost kind of a return to normal. Uh, and the return to normal is Peter is going around the country, healing a paralyzed person and raising a dead person. And that's <laughs> kind of the normal for them. But, you know, it, and <laughs> my brother-in-law, Brad, uh, gets borderline violent at the mention of the phrase new normal. He's just so tired <laughs> of hearing it at this point. But that's kind of what we're seeing here is Peter is going back to something of a normalcy in something that was truly, again, to use the word, unprecedented. Jesus did this kind of stuff, and he would send his people out to, to, to do wonders in his name, but they were pretty limited. There were things that, that they just, you know, well, why can't we do this? Why won't these demons leave when we command them to, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, now they're not even thinking about those sorts of things. They're just you know, working through, and as they're working through all of this, uh, just doing life, they're confidently moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter, uh, it's it's interesting as he does this, Peter doesn't, ever, he doesn't take any credit for this. This is all in the name of Christ. He encounters this man named Aeneas uh, in the town of Luda, which would be Lud or Lod in the in the Old Testament. And uh, it's, it's between Jerusalem and Joppa. Joppa's on the, 
the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and Jerusalem's more inland. And so uh, west of Jerusalem and not, you know, not quite to Joppa yet uh, is this town. He's going around and he's visiting the saints. So Peter, as an apostle, isn't uh, he's not tied down to, to one church. He goes around ministering to all of them, but he is ministering specifically to Christians. He's not going around with the purpose of evangelism. He's going around with the purpose of basically like a, a church ministry uh, mm-hmm. to instruct and, and encourage the saints. That's what he's doing here. He does the same thing in, in Joppa. Uh, he's traveling around the country, went to visit the saints in Lydda. He comes across a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. That's 933. Uh, Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, take up your mat, take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So he's ministering to the saints. His purpose is the church. And in the process of that, tons of people are getting saved from outside the church because they're seeing the work that he's doing in the name of Christ. Peter doesn't say, I heal you. He doesn't take credit for it. He's not setting up some big healing ministry. Look at me. Uh, there's no, you know, no, no spotlights or big tent meetings. He's just living in the power of the spirit, ministering to people in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody sees that ministry and turns to the Lord. That's not a reference to the church. That's reference to unbelievers who are becoming the church. And then in Joppa, they hear about him doing these things that he's in the area. And this, uh, this Christ follower named Tabitha or Dorcas, different languages, same name, which uh, both mean gazelle or doe. So as, uh, as she is ministering to people, uh, touching a lot of lives, a very obviously diligent woman, uh, faithfully serving, she is uh, stricken in some way, she becomes sick and dies. They, mm-hmm. Instead of burying her like they normally would do, they hear that Peter is nearby, so they send some people to go get him. He comes. They are obviously trusting that, that he's going to be able to do something with this dead woman. He prays. It's not, he, Peter doesn't come with his own power. Verse 40 says he sent them all out of the room. They got down on his knees and prayed. And then, after praying, turned toward the dead woman and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand, helped her to her feet, and he called the believers in. Okay, so again, this is a church ministry. Called the believers in and the widows and, and presented her to them alive. This became known, what he does in the church becomes known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed there in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So we, what we're seeing is a couple of things. There is a focus on the church. The church uh, is referred to as saints. We'll talk about that some on Sunday. That's a theme that Paul will use in all of his letters. As Paul writes his letters to the church, he's writing to saints. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but the ministry into and through the church is what draws people to Christ as Peter is working through just the, the general ministry uh, to the church at this time. I think that's, I know we're over time here, but I think that's important to, for us to understand now going through all of this, uh, what, what a church 
looks like what our ministry continues to look like even when things are weird yeah um and how and how we can minister to others through this yeah as you say that i was, I was thinking about that just this morning that um that's easy to say you know right. we talk sure. about that i talk about that and then i find myself as i evaluate okay how how am i doing what am i doing what are we doing as a church during this and i, I think i'm failing at, at so yeah. much of that you know that uh, the focus is still on, okay, how can we have our online presence? And that's, that's good. And it's necessary, not taken away, from mm-hmm. but there's more, there's more that we can be doing. I was listening to Alistair Begg talking about he's, uh, he was in Ephesians. No, he was, actually he was in a Jonah series. Uh, he's talking about Ephesians in the next one after that. But anyway, he was uh, talking about Jonah and the, the priorities that Jonah had wrong. He did the right things, but his heart was wrong. And in mm-hmm. his closing prayer to the sermon, it caught my attention as he was saying that what Jonah, what Jonah showed in his attitude is that his priorities did not align with God's priorities. He was more concerned about the, the convenience and comforts of his own life, the, this plant that grows up and gives him shade, and the worm that kills the plant, and the miserable... He was more concerned about his own life agenda than he was about the ministry of God's good news of repentance uh, to these people. And boy, it, it strikes me that as much as we talk about it, it's easy for me personally, and I think it's easy for us to let our priorities slide where we become more caught up in my daily grind, getting you know, getting my work accomplished, uh, you know, taking care of, you know, whatever it is I'm taking care of in my life, as opposed to ministering in in those ways that are most meaningful and and will last through eternity. Word. I apologize for Oliver. He is howling. I I apologize for rambling on and taking us so far. He's telling me to get off the phone. So let him out. So I will do that. Uh, but thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to tune in to Facebook and YouTube and our website uh, on Sunday at 10.04 uh, to catch this sermon. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, send us an email at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org or leave us a message on any of our various platforms. So other than that, I think we're uh, going to wrap this up. Rich, do you have anything else? Oliver has <laughs> Go out there and reflect. Uh, the reality of Christ through your relationships. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.